Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, all of us from Dogs 24-7. And uh, Georgia, 10-1 and on the season. They've notched that 10th victory. They move on to clean, old-fashioned hate with Georgia Tech with a chance to go 11-1 and for the third straight year. And that comes after a 19-13 loss. I mean, I'm sorry, win. Uh, Freudian slip there because it sure seems like a loss today. But uh, it, it comes uh, comes after a 19-13 win over Texas A&M, hard-fought game, a game just like Georgia's played, it seems like, three times earlier this season against Notre Dame, against Florida, against Auburn. The opposing team's got a chance to tie or go ahead in the fourth quarter. Georgia's defense comes up with a stop. Offense, uh, this time, just like it did against Florida, was able to stay on the field and salt the game away. And uh, we're going to talk about it. We're, we're going to give our impressions from the game. Uh, we're we're going to talk about Georgia and, and the SEC championship game and the potential college football playoff and what makes us think that this Georgia team can get it done, that this Georgia team can compete on the biggest stage. And uh, we're going to talk about Jake Fromm. We're going to talk about Jake Fromm's little stretch of games here. We're going to talk about his performance on Saturday uh, against the Aggies, and and uh, we're going to jump right in. And that's where we're going to start. And and Rusty, listen, I know you've known Jake Fromm for a long time. We've seen him take it's probably over two thousand snaps now as Georgia's quarterback. No, there's no probably to it. It is that's fact. He's taken over two thousand snaps as Georgia's quarterback. What's going on with Jake Fromm? I mean, you look at you can peel back, you know, quite a few things, but I think, you know, there's a pattern, and one pattern right now is Jake Fromm doesn't play well in weather. Now, the first quarter was the weather he faced yesterday. Um, you know, I went back and looked. I think it was a spring game two years ago. He had three interceptions in the wind and rain. Um, he had uh, didn't play great against Kentucky uh, in the in the monsoon. And listen, if it if it comes down to hand size and being able to hold the ball and that type of thing, then that I, I believe that. Uh, yesterday he came out with a glove, played a couple series, took his glove off, uh, came back with it. Uh, you know, I think Jake uh, is going to face those questions, and that's just being real. That's just being real about this thing. Uh, I also think that as the second quarter went on, he had a big drop by Kiaris Jackson. I think as a third quarter kind of. You know, late in the second, I believe, and, and, and into the third quarter, got kind of more into his frame. We don't sit in meetings, man. And I know people watch the game. That's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. I kind of look at things from, uh, uh, like you just said, Jake, with 2,000 snaps. Um, he throws a lot of balls outside the hash. And and, and that's just that's what he does. And and he throws a lot of 50-50. He, he's, he's really good at that back shoulder throw. Um, Jake can get you in the right place. He uh, yesterday on the ball, he threw the third down on on Swift. It was a great, it was a great catch by Swift. It was a great read by Jake Fromm. That is where he is. Uh, the touchdown through the touchdown ball he threw to Pickens was on the money. 
but there, there's going to be some questions about this weather situation. And, and I would, I, I'll be honest with you, I was on the field. And had that rain kept up, I don't know that Georgia wins that game yesterday. I really don't because he was having problems. Uh, the wheel route he threw to, to, to Brian Herrien, he hits that 99 out of 100 times. It wasn't even close. Uh, and now he was going with the glove and then going out without the glove, came back with it, and then, then did away with it. But, you know, that's, that, that is reality. And, and I know I'm not trying to make any excuses for Jake Fromm. I'm telling you what I think was going on yesterday. He had problems uh, w- with that ball yesterday until that weather stopped. And that, that's, that's my opinion. Kip, what's your take here? At this point, I mean, it's definitely a pattern. I mean, if you look at the last three games, it's three straight games where he's completed less than 50% of his passes. And this is a guy that coming into you know this stretch was – a career top 10 guy in the country in completing passes. That was the one thing you could kind of hang your hat on with Jake Fromm is that he was going to be, you know, highly efficient as far as getting the ball out to the playmakers. Closer to 70% than 60% for the most part. And that just hasn't been the case. Now, you, again, as Rusty pointed out, you look at Karis Jackson, you know, the ball hit him right in the chest. Eli Wolf had a big drop, I think, last week. Demetrius Robinson, there was a ball he should have brought in as well. And you look at the flea flicker. Uh, initially, you thought, man, Jake overthrew him, you know, by a couple yards. But, I mean, if you look at it right off the, you know, right off the line of scrimmage, Pickens kind of he delayed his route a little bit. And, the, I, and if he just kept going, you know, that was a touchdown pass right there. And, and the whole, you know, perception of this game would have been different you know that was that was a big play that did not go their way that you really you know while Pickens has been really good this year that was one that you know he would have liked to have had back and overall it's still it's a wasted opportunity by Fromm and at this point you look at the situations he's being put in um, there's been a lot of second and longs that Georgia, for some reason or another, has decided to run the ball. You know, if they're second and seven, second and eight. And and really, it's just not a situation where we've seen from really thrive in being in those those third and long situations where, it, you know, it's pretty apparent what's going to happen. And so that's kind of put some, you know, open things up to where we see an aspect of his passing game that, you know, has not been a strength. I think the good news, as Rusty pointed out, as far as the weather, is that, you know, after after this week's game in Atlanta, yep. and when you know, that's not gonna be a that's not gonna be a factor anymore. He's nope. gonna be playing inside and he's gonna be playing in, you know, a setting where he looked pretty good the last time he played there. Pretty stout against a, a pretty stout defense. So, I mean, that's something that you can kind of look to is is promising uh, but at the same time they got to get on the same page and this is definitely a week where you would imagine they should be able to do that and and, and go into atlanta well you know stay in atlanta with, with increased confidence for a game that's going to dictate the overall perception on 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 how this season went for georgia yeah, listen, I've, I've had some criticisms of James Coley this year after that South Carolina game. Didn't think Georgia 
was really even challenging the middle of the field enough. I thought James Coley caught a great game yesterday. I really did. I thought he dialed up some really good opportunities for Jake. Um, you know, the weather is what it is, and I get it. I get that it hurt him in the first half. And be patient with me here because I, I, I've kind of got a lot to unpack. But when you look at these last three games, when you look at them individually, okay, you look at Missouri, Jake was up and down. I mean, he had probably six, maybe seven amazing throws in that game, like really nice throws. One of them was dropped by Lawrence Cager. Uh, then he had a few poor throws. Well, Missouri has a good pass defense, so not, I mean, not the end of the world. You know what? Georgia won 27 nothing. It wasn't terrible. He just probably didn't play well, probably didn't play up to a standard. You go back to the Auburn game and gets off to a fast start, just like he did against Missouri, hits a big play early on, makes some good, really good throws early on, tapers off as the game goes along. There's a big drop in the fourth quarter. Drops happen. Every quarterback has to overcome them. But then I go back and look at that game, and I'm thinking – one, maybe two opportunities he had to do something more with the football when he that he didn't do with the football because, quite frankly, Auburn had Georgia covered up in a way that, you know, the, the lack of separation has been talked about this year. Auburn covered Georgia up unlike any other team has this year. And, and so I look at that one. All right, looking at that game by itself, again, not the end of the world, real tough defense. He still threw three touchdown passes and didn't turn it over on the road. Okay, you can live with that. Then you go back to this one, one of seven to start the game, all right? Misses a wide-open pass to George Pickens, misses a wide-open wheel route. I know the weather's included and all that stuff. You look at that game, and you know he comes back. He finishes 7 of 10 for 91 yards in the second half, nine yards per completion there, uh, You know, four of five for 41 yards in the fourth quarter. Hey, you know, the, good bounce back, great bounce back. But then you put all three of them together, and – you, you're going to have a hard time playing well as an offense. You're going to have a hard time doing what you want to do as an offense when your junior quarterback, who has now started, is now started uh, 39 games, and I think with, uh, sorry, started in 39 games with 40 games of experience, is unable to put three positive games together. Is unable to put three complete games together. You need that element of consistency. You need that from a, from an upperclassman quarterback. And and Fromm hasn't been able to do it. Now I say that with this. And listen, there there are some folks out there who are anti Fromm, who are who just don't like the kid, who don't think he's a very good player. They rather Georgia kept Justin Fields. And listen, I, I get it. Everybody's got their own opinion. But I think Jake Fromm's a fantastic quarterback. I think deep down, right there, not not last three games notwithstanding and, and not really proven who he is and who he isn't because there have been 37 other games, I think he's a really good quarterback. And I think he's very much good enough to lead Georgia to where it wants to go when he's playing well. And, and I think one thing he's proven this year is that Georgia has some issues offensively. They're not running the ball like they want to run. There's an offensive lineman, Solomon Kinley, for Georgia right now, who's playing just as bad at left guard as Jake Fromm is at quarterback. All right, And that's not me putting Solomon Kinley on blast because I felt like he was Georgia's best offensive lineman wire to wire last year. All right, I think, I think he's a fantastic player. He's just not playing well right now, and he's struggling. I think Trey Hill's struggling some, too, and I think that's showing up. And then you've got Georgia's wide receivers. They're young. They played well. I feel like you felt like yesterday and, and did a really nice job. 
but that that's been an issue at different times. There's been some inconsistencies there. That there's been drops. What we've learned this year is that while Jake Fromm is an excellent player and is probably you know a top five, top eight quarterback in college football, he's he hasn't shown that he can overcome those deficiencies with the offense. That he can fill in those gaps, and that's fine. Georgia has to fill in those gaps for him to get where they want to go. But when you talk about a three-game set here, and and to me, that's the issue. And Georgia's not going to win the SEC championship game. And, and you know, Kip, like you brought up, uh, you know, if, you, if they get past this week in Atlanta without any rain, they'll play in a dome. And then if they win that one, it'll be the first round of the playoffs will be either – Phoenix, Arizona, or Scottsdale, Arizona, they'll be in the desert where it's not going to rain, or they'll be in, in another dome, which is uh, um, uh, the, the back in Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. So that's the first round of college football playoff. Win that one and get to the final, and they play in the Superdome in New Orleans. So all of that will be off the table after, after this coming Saturday if they're able to get through that without any bad weather. So uh, the weather's kind of off the table at this point. Georgia needs Jake Fromm to play better. And, you know, with those three games, uh, everything included, I just – listen, I, I just think Jake can can be a better quarterback, and he's got to be a better quarterback. He's got to figure out a way to be more accurate with the football. And, Rusty, one thing I wanted to ask you about, as cerebral as Jake is, okay, and, and as, as you know him, like I said, I brought that up in the early going, he's always kind of struck you as a confident kid. I haven't seen him change mm-hmm. in terms of talking to him post game or talking to him during the week. Do you think he's the kind of kid that maybe loses a little confidence right now? I think he's. I think he's pressing. Um, and, and look, he's an athlete, and that's. Na- I mean, that's natural. That happens. They're struggling. I mean, there's nobody that uh, can say whatever you, who you want to protect or who you want to talk about. Georgia's offense is struggling. It doesn't mean that they're not trying everything in their power to correct it, but. Uh, when you get a situation like this as an athlete, I've coached some, Jake, you've coached some, people start pressing and and getting a little bit outside of themselves. I'm sure that um, that Jake has spoken with people. I'm sure Kirby Smart has, has you know, I, I can tell he's pressing some. I really can. Uh, but but Jake is the football mind, whatever you think, the football mind is is elite. And, and that has not changed. I went back and looked at some of his high school uh, stats today. Matter of fact, just doing. I mean, this guy threw for four or five hundred yards multiple times. Um, you know, I think the semifinal game against Alatuna, they scored like forty-nine points in a game where he was just absolutely lights out. He's done all this. He's done. He's he's thrown it a hundred times. He's thrown it ten times in games. So the experience is there. Um, I just think he's pressing a little bit. I think he's trying to do uh, everything he can to fix it. But you know. In the in the grand scheme, Georgia's ten and one. It hasn't been pretty on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, I wonder how much Jake is trying to shoulder. You know, what's going on offensively uh, to to cover for other players. Maybe you know they're struggling as well. Like you talked about, Simon Kinley, Trey Hill, some of those other guys, and you know, have, not having Lawrence Cager out there again, kind of a security blanket. When you know you got that dude, it's you know he just finds a way to make a play. So. Uh, I, I think he's probably pressing, and that's natural. I mean, and you ask how you fix that, it, it, it's simply, it's simple. It's just like this Georgia-South Carolina game. How do you fix it? You win the next Saturday. Jake needs to play better at Georgia Tech. 
and be ready to play um, really good. And he's played damn good in that Mercedes-Benz building. That's one thing for Georgia fans. Um, you know, what is he, one and two in that building? But he's played three damn good games. Yeah, if you want to put it in basketball terms, though, as far as Jake goes, the back shoulder fade to Tyler Simmons. And by the way, heck of a story there. I mean, a guy that has everybody had kind of lost confidence in. Nobody wanted to see him on the field. That third down conversion to Tyler Simmons, that catch and throw, might have been what turned that game around for Georgia offensively. It definitely led to a touchdown that Georgia sorely needed in that game, and it was the difference. But that back shoulder throw was excellent. I thought the one to Kiaris Jackson wasn't as good, but Kiaris kind of bailed him out and, and atoned for, for his drop on the slant route earlier. The dart to Pickens for the touchdown, the other long pass to Pickens, 41 yards, the quick read to get it out to DeAndre Swift on the 20-yard catch that – uh, that uh, that well, they had a blitzer in his face, and then the the slant route to Dominic Blaylock for 11 yards on second and 12, when when Georgia was backed up and and it looked like A and M might have a good chance to get the ball back. He came back and made some really good throws. Those are your crossover step back jumpers with a hand in your face. Okay, he's got to hit the layups, and if he can hit the layups and just give Georgia a handful, six, seven, eight. Of those of those throws, like he made in those situations, George is going to be fine. George is going to be just fine. And see, that's what makes me think that all right, all these struggles, you know, Jake Fromm's deficiencies the past three games. We've seen him make those throws before. We've seen him hit the layup. So listen, I, I saw him hit a fade route to Miko Hardman in the dome two years ago. That was probably one of the best throws I've I've ever seen a quarterback make, considering the circumstances. It wasn't that difficult of a throw, but with the pressure on and Alabama kind of closing in and closing down the gap, 80-yard touchdown when it was needed most. He made some really good throws in that game. Had a seam route to Isaac Nada in the in the SEC championship game last year. That was that was a really good throw. The touchdown pass to Riley Ridley. Jake Fromm's a good quarterback. He's proven that for 97 percent of his career, ninety four percent of his career, whatever. If you want to talk about you know thirty seven out of forty games, but he now has to put it together. And, and get it together right now for this Georgia football team because they're only going to the offense is only going to go as far as he goes because the running game is not what it has been the past couple years and it's not going to take over a football game it's just not DeAndre Swift has a has the chance has the opportunity to do that uh, individually with some plays but when he comes out of the game as tough of a, of a competitor as Brian Herrien is and is and as good as he can be. He's just not the, – the, the drop-off there is, is greater than it's been the last couple of years, and, and Georgia's just got to deal with that. He can make plays to help Georgia win. He can make fantastic plays like he did against Florida, like he did earlier this year against Tennessee. Uh, but but Fromm has to, has to be much better if this offense is going to go anywhere, and uh, he just hasn't played well late, and he's got to figure that out, whether it's pressing, whether it's losing confidence, whatever it is, uh, that Georgia just needs him to play better, and, and there's kind of no – Nothing that's going to be able to defend it from here on out because you're getting to a point in the season where uh, he's got to get right against Georgia Tech, and then he's going to have to elevate his play even more against LSU. Consistency and elevation is what Georgia's going to need there. Let's jump into the break real quick, and on the other side, we're going to talk about uh, some impressions from the Georgia Tech m game, and then we're just going to we're not going to dig into the SEC championship game, but we're going to give some early thoughts on it. And, and what we think about Georgia's ability to compete with LSU, a team that ranks number one in the country. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Kip, leading off, man. Uh, Thoughts, impressions, what stood out to you, Georgia versus Texas A&M? You know, one thing that uh, I thought was interesting was how – much more aggressive Georgia's defense seemed early in, in the in the football game. Now, you know, towards the second half, again, as we talked about, they got a lot put on their plate, and you did see that that depth really got tex- tested against the Aggies. But I just thought you look at how aggressive they were. It's just something that, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't seen them blitz as much. You know, Dan Landing really kind of brought the – brought the house more from from all angles against Texas A&M, especially from the outside, from the corners. It looked like, you know, when 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 Kelvin Mom was dropping back to pass, at least, you know, close to half the time, Georgia would bring a blitz. And, you know, I thought that it was fairly effective. I just thought it was it was kind of interesting. And then a second thing that kind of caught my eye was just how they kind of lined up against Texas A&M. At times, it looked like they were running. Um, you know, they had the money group out there, uh, and they brought. I think Richard LeCount looked like he was he was kind of lined up as an outside backer, and it was really interesting because if you start looking at, you know, LSU and how they might need to match up against them personnel wise, you know, whether they're running three or four wide out there. This might be a, a kind of a preview of what we might see against LSU, and I thought it was pretty effective. I, I you know, liked what I saw from Tyler Clark, outstanding game, a senior when they needed it most, and then Malik Herring and Trevon Walker. I mean, they had three down linemen a lot of times, and they were able to uh, win some battles against Texas A&M's offensive line, and Trevon Walker made more big plays, you know, be continuing to step up. But I thought it was an interesting look from them bringing LeCount out there and, and having, you know, uh, five DBs out there with with Monty, I think, Quay Walker out there as well. It's just an interesting wrinkle to that defense and something that, again, I think you're going to see uh, against LSU pretty often. I, I thought it was a new wrinkle that I hadn't really seen a lot during during the year. I think that when you look at Auburn and what they did to LSU earlier this season on defense, I think they ran a similar um, scheme out there. And, you know, it, it helps to have the secondary that, that Georgia has right now, the guys, the depth they have out there to be able to run something like that. And I think that it, it's going to be a key uh, for Georgia when they're trying to stop what looks like maybe the, you know, the best offense in the country right now. Kip, I'm, I'm going to jump in right here before I throw it to Rusty. And one of the things that stood out to me is I noticed this several times on the field, and Rusty might have noticed this too. Georgia would take Aziz Ojolari or they would take Nolan Smith off the field in favor of Trayvon Walker to play as a defensive end with his hand on the ground in some situations. And it wasn't just rundowns. It was second longs. It was – I thought that was interesting because after the uh, – it was after the Auburn game, after Trayvon Walker had that game-clinching sack, 
Kirby said that he wanted to get Trayvon Walker in the game more. They wanted to find ways. And I thought that was a really interesting way to get him in there because, guys, at, at, at 6'5", 280 pounds, he really is a guy that can flip-flop between your old-school weak side defensive end and strong side defensive end. I mean, he he legitimately can do that. And and he's he's good enough pass rusher to make that happen. And, and I, thought, I just thought that was an interesting wrinkle that they threw in there. Um, as far as... As far as the defense looking aggressive earlier, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't know if it was the the fact that they were aggressive earlier or the fact that A&M figured something out as far as blitz pickup goes because I saw Georgia bring five, six guys at different points in the second half, and A&M had hat on hat. Georgia couldn't win a one-on-one battle. And fortunately for the Bulldogs, as A&M gets to midfield there in their, their final uh, offensive possession, uh, Tyler Clark comes up with a massive sack. I mean, just a just a huge sack, and he was he is playing like the guy I think we all thought we would see last year coming off of the college football playoff run. I mean, he is he's playing a very big time brand of football, probably making himself some money climbing into that second day, and and may even get some first round buzz before it's all over with because he's so twitchy and and he's so quick and 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 explosive off the football. So you know that that was a big play on the offensive side. The one thing that stood out to me was A&M, t- they just turned off the faucet as far as Georgia's run game. It was as simple as that. I mean, Georgia was actually getting some – it was crazy because in normal games, Georgia does such a good job of wearing teams down and they start to have their success, their biggest success running the football in the third and fourth quarter. I felt like the movement was there early on. The holes were there early on. And I some, know some of it's got to do with, with Texas A&M putting some extra guys in the box. But there was nothing there late in the game, and it almost doomed Georgia. DeAndre Swift made an an incredible um, individual football play there on the last set of downs there, that last three set of downs after they had gotten two first downs to rip off a nine-yard run. Now, you can question whether or not it was a good idea to slide before the first down marker there because if he gets past the first down marker, it's over, and uh, there's no chance for Texas A&M to have any time on the clock. But he did, and Georgia ended up getting it anyway, and, and all's well that ends well. But but the fact that Texas A&M was able to just kind of say, hey, you're not running the football anymore, I, I think that was that was really interesting. And and you know if you want to dig into Jake Fromm a little bit more here, going seven of ten in the second half when Georgia just absolutely could not run the football, that it, it, he didn't atone for the two misses he had earlier in the game that would have put Georgia up fourteen nothing and and probably made all of it a moot point anyway. But coming back and being that efficient with the football, making some big throws, well, it was was a big difference in that game as well. Uh, Rusty, impressions from the game? Anything that you could tell down there while uh, while while dealing with some moisture in the in the clothes? Oh my goodness! Um, you know, you guys pretty much hit everything I would say. Um, I think we've talked about everything. Um, you know, as far as offensive issues, what defense I saw yesterday. Trayvon Walker had another great game when he was in the game. I'll go a different route. I'll go special teams. And um, I know it looked what you saw on TV, but I don't think people realize what Rodrigo kicked a 49-yard field goal into yesterday because I was standing on about the 20. Man, it was rusty. It was coming down in sheets. I mean, in sheets. It was raining as hard as it did all game. And the wind was whipping from sideline to sideline, so it was sideways. And I told the guy beside me, I said, there's no way in hell he's about to make this. He's going to miss it one way or the other. For him to drive that ball through the wind and rain 
was and and look, it was a big moment too because you know they kind of stopped Georgia's it was three three game at a time. If he if he misses that field goal, Texas A&M has great field position. Um, you look at what he does on kickoffs. I, I say all the time, Georgia's kickoff team does nothing but run sprints because those guys run about fifty yards and stop. Uh, he kicks it through the end zone ninety nine percent of the time. Jake Cremata, here he is yesterday, six punts, forty four point seven yard average. I've been I've been critical of him. You know, going back to that Notre Dame game when. I mean, he came close to costing Georgia in the Notre Dame game. I mean, he had three shanks that really, really hurt Georgia. But the last three weeks, he has been lights out. He had a bad punt, I think, yesterday a little bit. I think he had one offside of his foot a little bit. But he has been flipping the field. Uh, go, go back to the onside. Rodrigo, hell of a kick. I mean, that's all you can ask for in a planned situation is to put that ball right in that one spot. I was standing there. It was interesting because I was on the 30. That's the line to where the coaches can't go past and media can't go past. So we kind of get close there uh, on that point. So I, I heard an, I heard a staffer over say when they missed that extra point, the execution, uh, they almost started the second half of that. And um, that tells you they they had that they they were ready to run that at any time. Uh, Kirby scores, runs that play. I totally thought it was a great call. Um, just you just steal a possession, you steal momentum. It was there. It just it just didn't get done. But what a hell of a play, uh, hell of a hell of a kick by Rodrigo. Uh, and special teams right now for Georgia has been really really good. I know Dominic Blaylock has been solid. You know he might not be the most explosive punt returner. Uh, but he's not going to give you a negative play, and he seems to have sure hands back there. So right now, that's what you've got. Uh, I just think that Georgia special teams wise, they've been really, really good in helping the situation. Good day there, Rusty. And all right, last topic, guys, and just plain and simple, uh, Kip. What what is it about this Georgia team that makes you think that it can compete with LSU, a team that is extremely high thought of and really seems to have a lot more positive buzz about it? Uh, in the in the SEC championship game, can can Georgia can Georgia legitimately beat the Tigers if they're healthy? I think so. I mean, for right now, the key this week is for Lawrence Cager and really Eric Stokes and Cade Mays too. They need those guys back and healthy. They need all hands on deck. I think if you have Cager in the lineup and he's healthy, it's a legitimate offense. You know, it gives Georgia a chance to push the ball down the field. I mean, this 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 month has been tough. We talked about it when the season began that this was going to be, you know, what the focus of the season was going to be November. And these are tough physical SEC opponents they played. And they played four solid teams between Missouri, Texas A&M, Florida, and Auburn. I mean, they allowed 44 points against those guys combined. And I granted, I know that some of those were close games, but you know, if we go back to August or July and we're, and we say Georgia's ten and one going into the Georgia Tech game, I mean, I think most of us would have assumed that that loss came at Auburn or or maybe to Notre Dame, and you know, it, that's not where it happened. But Georgia's going into the you know potentially likely the SEC championship game. With a playoff spot on the line, I, I think if you just look at what their their defense has been able to do, but also you look again against the the, the passing defenses that they faced, those four teams, 
Those teams are, you know, very good against the pass, but also, you know, top five, top six in the conference against the run as well. So they got tested, and, and now they know, you know, wh- what they need to work on. And I think that that gives them a chance, knowing now what those issues are and, and being able to to get right in practice and prepare for an LSU team that, yeah, is, fa- is firing at all cylinders offensively, but, I mean, they have some holes on defense just as well, and, and I think it's just one of those games where you're gonna. Ha- it's 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 offense versus defense, but I, I think that Georgia's defense has been just as good as LSU's offense has been this year. This is one of the best defensive te- you know performances by a Georgia team that that I can remember. And with that and the experience they have on offense and the group of juniors and seniors they have that. You know, they know it's all on the line and they have a lot to play for. I, I think that this is a very evenly matched game. And so it's going to come down to, uh, you know, between Jake Fromm and Kirby Smart, the decisions that they, they make in the second half of this game is probably what it's going to come down to. And I think that that, that combination, that, that gives you a chance to, to win any football game. So, And, and I, I like what Vegas decided you know the early line was what three three and a half lsu i mean that tells me right there that the, the you know the people that do pretty well out there in, in uh, nevada at, at predicting these games every week they see this as a very even matchup probably a lot more even than what the national pundits are going to say heading into that game unless you know georgia just comes out and puts up a a 50 burger against georgia tech you know, LSU's probably going to be talked about as being a pretty solid favorite in that game. And I just think that this is going to be a pretty even game. It's going to be, a, you know, a, a very physical matchup on the line of scrimmage. And that's really, if you look at what Georgia's defensive line's been able to do, I think that's the part of this team that does not get talked about enough. This defensive line is is elite. I mean, Trey Scott is a guy that, a lot of people talked about, you know, a little bit of an unknown when he came in when when Kirby Smart hired him. And he Trey Scott's got this defensive line playing with a lot of fire right now. I mean, they just allowed negative one rushing yards against an SEC opponent and got to Kellen Mond double digit times. And so I, I really think that that right there gives them a chance to you know show LSU something that maybe they haven't really seen this this season and it might end up being some adversity that maybe the Tigers weren't prepared for all right Rusty what what makes you think or makes you not think that Georgia can compete with LSU in this SEC title game these two teams seem to be viewed drastically differently sure uh just looking this week what I'll watch for Texas A&M game obviously you know I want to see Texas A&M could not run the ball in Georgia. They were minus one yard rushing. Um, Georgia just shut it down. And I want to see what they can do. Because uh, this will be, am I correct? This is another game on the road for Texas A&M at LSU uh, in Tiger Stadium at night. I want to see what they can do, <clears throat> excuse me, to LSU. Can they put 150 on there? Uh, can they rush for 40? I want to see what they can do. Uh, this week, that, that, that'll tell me a little bit about LSU's run defense, which hasn't been great. Obviously, that feeds into what Georgia can do. You know, <clears throat> looking at this, you know, this is – you heard Kirby Smart say this, um, and 
that 2017 went into Auburn number one, and he said the moment was kind of too big. They just got too overhyped. They went into Auburn basically the same team in 2019, and they went down there and pretty much dominated that game except for the last 10 minutes. It was a business-like approach. This is the third year in a row that Georgia's going into Mercedes-Benz. This is the third year in a row uh, that things mean a lot to them in this particular game. So I look at that and I say, you know, what is LSU, which I think is an unbelievable talent. You know, I liked them early on. I didn't have the didn't have the set to pick them a couple times to, uh, you know, during the middle of the year. But I really liked what I saw, and they just kept rolling. I mean, Burrow's got 4,400 yards, 41 touchdown passes. The running back's got 1,200-something yards, 15 rushing touchdowns. I mean, they they bring it offensively, man. But they're going to play in a game, uh, and they, I know they played in an Alabama game at Tuscaloosa, and that is a big deal. That's a big deal. But they're going to play in a game in Mercedes-Benz in the state of Georgia. Um, it, the notches are going to be turned up a couple of notches here. I want to see uh, a team that hasn't played in that particular game in a while, see how they react. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think, it, I think it's very much – I mean, look, it's going to – if we played DeMar, it's the number one and number four team in the country. So it's not like, uh, you know, a double-digit 14-point underdog needs to pull a major upset right here. Uh, Georgia can very well go in there and win that game, but they're going to have to play damn near perfect and have to play one of the best games they've played in a while. Uh, but this game by no means uh, is going to be a blowout, in my opinion. I think it's going to come down to what you said, second half and how they play. But, uh, you know, in the short time, very interested in um, what uh, very interested in what Texas A&M does to them. I will say, you know, talking about Georgia Tech, you know, and, and Jeff Collins was um, listen. Jeff Collins is is doing uh, what he needed to do. You know, he created a new brand, marketing, everything in the off season. Because I'm pretty sure they probably knew once they saw their roster in practice. Man, this is, you know, this is not. They're getting trying to get everything they can out of their team. But I'll give you a little inside note here. Jeff Collins came. He didn't talk very many places, do many speeches. But you know, one place he did speak last summer was at Athens Country Club. And that is coming right into the heart of the University of Georgia and trying to sell his brand. And I wonder if late in the game, when this, it may be a blowout, if he doesn't get a, a reverse pass or a, one of those types of deals like, hey, don't speak in my town. Yeah, that that will be interesting. I did not know that Collins had spoken at the Athens Country Club, and you're right. That's that's bulldog territory right there. That's that is uh, that's behind enemy lines. That's in the heart of the beast, and and uh, that'll be interesting. When I look at this, when I look at the impending matchup between Georgia and and LSU, um, there are two things that make that give me you know kind of the the impression that Georgia has what it takes. All right, I'll start with the defense. That's elementary. Uh, I think Georgia from 1 to 24, 25 guys, and I, and I think it's going to help big time if Eric Stokes is healthy enough to play at that point. We're really not sure what's going on with him injury-wise. There really hadn't been a whole lot of info there. I've checked with a couple people today and keep getting I don't knows. Uh, not sure how serious it is. Uh, so so we'll see on, on Monday when we talk to Kirby Smart. 
but but I think that would absolutely help. I just think this defense does such a good job of limiting big plays, does such a good job against the run. I think Georgia can do to LSU what Auburn did to LSU without giving up as many yards. I think Georgia can keep LSU in that 20-point range and and give the Bulldogs a chance. Now, all of this is predicated on them playing well. The second one is this team is just so stinking battle-tested, man. I mean, you look at the, at the times Georgia's trailed this year. If you were to count up the total minutes between how much Georgia's trailed and how much LSU's trailed, I would venture to say Georgia's trailed probably three times as much as LSU this season. It's it's probably pretty nuts, and I know some of that comes from Georgia having a loss and LSU not having a loss. Uh, so I look at that. I look at the fact that Georgia has had to stave off late comebacks four times this season. That's that's incredible. Uh, they've had to fight down to the wire in, in five games this season, if you count the South Carolina game. So uh, the, the, the battle test and the medal of this team and kind of what it's been through, sometimes that can galvanize you. Um, and I say that knowing that, listen, I, I have all the respect in the world for Ed Ogeron. I think he's a he's an absolutely tough-minded coach, a, 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 just a, a, an impressive guy. Uh, yeah, and he's, he's done what I've said a lot of coaches can do with their second big job is that, that he's learned from his first you know, job's mistakes. Joe Burrow's as tough as they come. I have a lot of respect for him as a quarterback. But, but I do think that Georgia is just a little bit better conditioned for a tight – you know, nasty throw-down football game than, than LSU may be. And and uh, they may not get to that. LSU may come out firing on all cylinders and put Georgia in its place. I really don't know. But that's what makes me think that if Georgia can get good defensive play, that, that it'll have a chance to win that game. And, and I still don't think we've seen the best from the Georgia offense. I think it's going to be – there's going to come a point where whether it's focus and practice or whatever – Maybe it's the fact that it's game 13. Georgia can put it together and, and get to that point. But, um, you know, I'm, I know by no means am I sitting here today thinking, yeah, I'm picking Georgia in the SEC championship game. If I had to pick today, it's LSU. Uh, but, but, at the, but at the same time, uh, we're talking about does Georgia have a chance, and I absolutely believe they do. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. Uh, we'll be back with you guys later this week where we're going to talk clean, old-fashioned hate. I'm going to have to familiarize myself with Georgia Tech. I kind of tuned them out after they lost to the Citadel earlier this year and then uh, only scored a safety against Temple. Uh, but Georgia's a 29-point favorite, and uh, we'll have all of that covered for you. And then, obviously, we're going to really dig into the SEC championship game a week from now. But for this one, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy, everybody. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.